Romance, where authors take you behind the scenes in our little corner of the romance writing world. I'm Eris Adderley. And I'm Shane Sterrett. We write the kind of books that embarrass you in front of your relatives. On our episode today, we're incredibly excited to have a USA Today best-selling authors and founders of Black Collar Press, Livia Grant and Jennifer Benet with us. We're going to be asking them to share all their filthy secrets, what brought them to where they are today, and what we can expect from them in the future. So, Livia, Jennifer, I want to thank you both so much for joining us today. I doubt that there are many of our listeners who don't know who both of you are, but just in case, I'd like to give them a brief synopsis. After 15 years as New York runway models, while also performing wet work for the CIA on the side, Jennifer Benet and Livia Grant parlayed their experiences into two of the hottest romance series out there. For Miss Grant, it was the infamous love, complicated love series, of which clearly her time on the runway played a large part, even though she chose to change the genders of the two main characters. For Miss Benet, it was the Dangerous Game series, including Lethal Sin and the prequel Early Sins, which obviously drew on her experiences while working for the CIA. So what I think our listeners really want to know, are you both firmly entrenched as romance writers now, or do you plan to return to your earlier careers at some point? <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny my past experience, um, but I am definitely a romance author now. Um, that sounds very much like you're trying to hide something. Livia, are uh, you... I was- yeah, I was considering going back to the runway, but, you know, 2020 was kind of hard. All of us, you know, extra eating and not as much exercise. Mm. So I, I'm not really runway ready anymore. I see. I see. You know, I, I leave that option open for the future in case. But, I don't but, think sitting in a makeup chair is COVID friendly. <laughs> and I think that's the greatest idea. I appreciate both of you playing along with that really, really, really bad joke, but. <laughs> You're very kind to do so. All right. Seriously, let's talk for a moment. Backgrounds. You both worked in corporate America. And I think if I'm not mistaken, you also were both then starting to write while you were working in your corporate America jobs. Is that true? And and if so, at what point did you then decide to segue from becoming or from going from the corporate America world into becoming full-time writers? That's a great question, Shane. Jen, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure. Um, well, you're right. Livia and I both worked in corporate America. It's actually one of the reasons that we became such fast friends when we met each other. Um, I think writing is just something that's been in both of us and it ended up being a career option because we spent a lot of time doing the full-time day job in corporate America and writing at night and on the weekends. And we, we both enjoyed each other's writing very much. And we found each other actually before we were published authors. Um, I think that's another big draw to, um, to each other is we were fangirling over each other's uh, work on a site called literatica.com, uh, which is where we were both posting some of our earlier works. Uh, Arist. You were some of you, you, you guys were some, you guys, you're not guys, you ladies were some of the first people that were my friends on there that, you know, were communicating with me and chatting and 
I really appreciated the early friendship as well. <laughs> There's just a core. I mean, we, we all have good taste. Yeah, we did. And, and I love that because those are some of my, my best author friends are today still some go back to our lit days. Um, and, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that a lot of us, you know, we, we were all supporting each other's work, even though we were mostly writing in a lot of the same categories. Um, so we were competition for the we, Hall of we, Fame we board. Were, yeah, in many ways we really were, but um, it was it was exciting and fun and um, a really fun time. So, and, and then at some point, as you were writing on Literatica, then you segued into uh, publishing your work um, online. I uh, I think either as indie authors or as uh, uh, through a, a traditional publisher. Did you? Was there like a breaking point in your corporate career where you said, ah, you know, I'm I'm not happy with just being in corporate America. I really this is what I really want to do. I want to be a full time writer. And was there difficulty in segueing, transitioning from that world into the full time author world? This is one area where we are just a smidge different. Um Jennifer very planned her her um, retirement, I guess, from her corporate job, and I'll let her talk about that. Um, I did not. Um, I my plan was I wanted to go full time, and I certainly had planned to go full time, um, but I was still um, working in corporate America when the pandemic hit, and uh -huh. so um, 2020 um, gave me a unique opportunity to go full time. Um, in a kind of scary way because I wasn't really financially um, ready to yet, um, but it gave me the time that I needed to really devote myself to it. So um, it's both a pro and a con uh, for me, but um, I, I'm really grateful that I've had this time uh, off of the day job, but I, I do, I will just be honest. I loved my corporate job. I, I miss my corporate corporate job. Um, I still mourn for it on some days because I had a really um, a fun job that I loved and was really good at. And I got to travel and um, get paid for it. And I miss my friends that I worked with. So um, it, it wasn't as easy, I think, of a decision. Um, but well, it wasn't. A it wasn't. Yeah. No, it was. It was foisted, and I, I don't. I, I guess I'll quickly tell the story. Um, when Jennifer was making her plan uh, to retire and to go full time, um, we were at a convention talking about it, and uh, Nikki, who is our our personal assistant, both of us, she's like, well, when are you going to go full-time, Livia? And I, she was pressuring me. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. And I just, I like, I threw this out. And it was like two years ago. I just threw it out. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go full-time on May 1st, 2020. And literally, <laughs> I lost my job in April and like went off the payroll on, on June 1st, I think was my last day. So June, June 1st. So um, I, you know, I, I blame putting that out into the universe. That I'm pretty sure that's pretty <laughs> it was all my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so you're, you're, you're admitting now to all of our listeners that. You yes, I, I tanked. I have that power to. Right. Um, you she's a witch. <laughs> She's a witch. Caused 
you caused the pandemic. Wow. I did. But I'm I pretty sure the pandemic was already going. On. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I there do. I will say this though. I am a firm believer. If, if no one, if anyone listening has ever read the secret uh, or knows what the secret's all about, I am a firm believer in the secret. I, I've read the book and I, I believe that you put things out into the universe and that the universe can deliver to you if you really believe it and you, you know, focus on the good vibes of it. And, and so like, I, I believe in that hokey pokey things. And, and I really had a lot of things in my life have kind of come about because I, I set my mind on it. Um, and so I do think that kind of throwing that out into the universe for me personally, I don't, I don't take blame for everyone else's problems, but <laughs> it, did, it did actually bring that partly to me. It, it kind of aligned things. So, well, that's good. At least there's yeah. a silver lining there for you. It is, it is for me. Yeah, absolutely. But Jennifer, you, Jennifer, yeah, I, I, I feel like Livia sort of answered <laughs> for me. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I really, I don't know what else to say. So you made the decision to leave corporate America and like, that was it? Shane gets a dollar, by the way, every time he says corporate America. I'm just letting you guys know. So just just keep it going. We've got lunch to buy tomorrow. Right. I'm going to monetize this later by having uh, (laughs) Iris uh, insert some corporate, like Coca-Cola. Some hashtag Uh, action. Yeah, All right. Well, we'll expect our cut. Uh, So we want to know how you chose. Jennifer, Jennifer, what was the, what was the driving factor for you? Um, at the time I was doing well in author land and I did kind of an ROI breakdown on the number of hours I was spending at work versus the number of hours, because I am a single mom, I was able to commit at home to my writing career and Based off of my author income versus my corporate income, I, this is boring. It's not boring. That's <laughs> it, very it, responsible, it, and I think people aspiring to be authors that actually want to make a living should like hear this stuff. You can't, exactly. you know. I'm very risk averse, so I'm in, I'm pro this method because I'm just like you can't just quit your job and hope everything works out. Yeah, I'm I am very risk averse as well, and I I did provide uh, six months of warning to my day job. I. Did they train your um, replacement appropriately? I trained several replacements to take over several different responsibilities I had. And I wrote out a bunch of kind of how-to mm-hmm. stuff because I, I I worked in the training department of my company. And so I was good at that anyway, <laughs> you know, writing up job aids and things like that. Um, but, you know, that was kind of what it came down to. It was I could make more money as an author if I invest more time in it. Um, Now, unfortunately, anyone that follows me knows that like shortly after that happened, um, literally the first day of my author job, my grandfather died of a heart attack. (laughs) And then five months later, my mom died. So things didn't quite go that smoothly, but um, it's still, I don't regret it. I am very, I'm very grateful for, the freedom I have as a full-time author. It sounds like you were a time that you were really starting an entire new phase of your life, like on many fronts at one time. Oh, she moved too during yeah. that time period. I, I remember that. Movie. And I also she bought, bought a house, house and moved. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to take a moment here though, and point out something you said though. You said you had to train multiple people to do <laughs> your job. Um, 
that seems like your former employer really got the short end of the stick when you left. Uh, no, I think it's more that, you know, every company is about doing more with less. And so instead of hiring a replacement, they just had me foist several responsibilities oh. on other okay. members. Okay. They just divvied it up and gave it to like five people that already worked there. Like, Yeah. Like, congratulations. You're now also responsible for You get no job title change or <laughs> extra money. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so you both you get a hearty pat right, on the back. You both obviously worked in corporate America, if yes, you know that. How we that know it very well. Yes. Okay, but it seems to be working out, and now you're both running this awesome right. black collar press. That's right. And let's talk about that for a moment. So, how did you decide to create black collar press? Give us some background history. You started the very first roulette. You had already created a certain amount of the world, correct? And then you had to head over to these other authors. How did that go? I mean, was the first roulette like extremely frustrating or exciting or panicky? All of the above. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it was more exciting than anything. I mean, it was fresh and new and, but it was a lot of work. Um, without a doubt, the editing process um and I think the first one we didn't, we stumbled into some problems that we were able to avoid after, after year one, where this year is going to be our fifth uh, roulette. So we've, we've gotten a lot better at it. We've got world documents, we've got photos, we've uh, got uh, ridiculous hand-drawn maps. That are, they are, are not ridiculous. <laughs> Olivia did. I was going to say, they are not ridiculous. They're extremely <laughs> helpful. <laughs> You guys have both uh, honored us with your talent by writing in our world. So you've seen those ridiculous maps. Not ridiculous. Okay, whatever. Itch. So. Um, but, uh, you know, like we didn't, I, I think we did, I did the map for the first year, but we didn't have a lot of the photos or the world building documents. Um, and honestly, some of our most beloved characters came together in that set, like Clara, um, and, and Spencer met in that first set and, you know, they belong to Addison Kane, who we love. Um, you know, she, she was a good friend at the time. She doesn't write BDSM, but she wrote in our world and I adore her for that. And, uh, everybody that year, it was, it was all our, you know, kind of our BDSM friend, you know, writing friends. So, um, and we just learned a lot, uh, that year. And now we have learned how to avoid certain problems. <laughs> Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy with you know eight nine authors in a box set plus your two selves you know and as you've said already you know uh, Olivia is a plotter Jen is a pantser so I mean the two of you you're like okay we you know tend to we write differently so we're gonna write our own books we're gonna do an anthology separate stories but now you're adding in all these other people like I imagine that's got to be you know kind of hectic at times with everybody's different personalities you know and and the speed at which people work, deadlines, like, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you manage that? I mean, I think that we've, we've been very fortunate that we get people the information about six months ahead of time. We set the deadline. We haven't really had anyone miss that deadline. I don't mm -hmm. think ever. Oh, that's um, great. And then we do two rounds of edits. Livia does the first wave where she's looking for continuity, world building errors, like, not following the rules of roulette, things like that. And then we 
either do both edits at the same time or piecemeal depends on that year. But I come in and I just do like a technical edit because I did that as my day job. So yay, it pays off. (laughs) (laughs) And from that, then you do the final put together of each anthology and it, it goes out. Before that, though, is there some process you have in terms of choosing who you want to, you know, include in the anthology? Are you like constantly out there watching different authors, reading their stuff? Um, yes and no. It's kind of it's kind of a hodgepodge of, of different things. Um, we we always are trying to find new authors to write in our world. Um, it's it's really a combination of um, we. We have some authors that are, you know, known to be uh, Blacklight authors, and we are thrilled that they have worked with us many times. Maren Smith has written a lot, Misha Stone, um, Renee Rose, uh, Maggie. Um, I, I'm, I'm probably shooting myself in the foot by naming names because we have been blessed by many authors that have given us, you know, several stories and many full-length books. Um, but every year we do... Uh, make a conscious decision to include new authors each year um, for two reasons. One is, um, you know, we just love to have new authors join the world uh, and uh, it, it helps them because they, we bring the black light fan group to their, uh, to them and they get introduced to a lot of new readers that way. And, and quite frankly, hopefully they bring a lot of new readers to Blacklight that maybe didn't know about Blacklight before they wrote the book. So it's a combination. We try to balance it each year by having um, a portion of, uh, of repeat authors and, and then introduce some new ones. Um, up until this year, Blacklight has been primarily our only um our only series. Uh, I am also publishing all of my BDSM uh, standalone work, so The Punishment Pit, and any power exchange um, books and series that I will write in the future, I'll be publishing under Black Collar Press because it technically is my uh, KDP account. Um, But we are also, I think I can say this, right? I'll 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 see if you can say it. We will be introducing new series out of Black Collar Press that will be also a multi-author series in the future, um, more than just Blacklight. So we will be oh, expanding. Really? Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. And, and you're, is this the first that our listeners anyone is going to be? We are. Oh, my God. Are you guys serious? Shane and Eris get the exclusive. It, it, yeah, wow. we are serious. I never lie, Shane. You know that. I know that, but I well, thank you very much. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. That's an honor. Um, so, now I'm not going to ask you to go into any sort of details, but we can assume that it will be something similar or on the lines of what uh, we've already gotten from Black Collar Press in the past. Those kinds of books. You're not going into. <laughs> Uh, sweet Christian yeah. romance here. You never do that, or Amish, or uh, cowboys. It. No cowboys. Okay. No, it will always be power exchange. It will okay. be any power exchange. Those are the the requirements. Um, we we will always do edgy power exchange. Will it always be BDSM specific? No. Um, as long as it's edgy and there's a, a 
a major kind of power exchange element. It could be mafia. It could be lots. There's lots and lots of different sure. genres sure. Um, that could be edgy power exchange. Okay. We will not be publishing Jennifer's, uh, excuse me, other, other, uh, other, I'm other. other, you have, Jennifer has a whole nother life outside of black collar press. I pretty much, I play in the, in the, in the sandbox of black, black collar press. Jennifer has this whole other life of, it mostly involves kidnapping yes. and assault. A little incest. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please. Okay. All right. Now. Hold on. Hold on. That is when I get to play in Yolanda's sandbox. Okay. Well, that, is okay. not my sandbox. that is true. That is. True. I visit Yolanda Olson's sandbox yes. when I want to write about incest. <laughs> yes, that is true. Fair enough. Fair you mean enough. you mean your family novels? I believe that. Yes, oh, they are the family-oriented family oriented novels. Yeah. They're, they're, I think that's the genre that you're going for. Yeah, family. family. Um, it is really um, the core thing to remember about those books is that they are all about love. <laughs> they are. They are, in fact, all about love of a sort that literally it, the entire theme of scorched and burned is love. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's just go with that and, and leave every other part of those books and stories behind. We'll just go with the love. We'll stick with the love fact. It is the core theme. The Thank core you, Shane. You're, you're absolutely welcome. Um, yeah, that is a, a a completely different genre. And while it is dark and delicious, and I know there are so many people out there who enjoy those books. Um, yeah, probably not exactly in the same vein as what you're talking about for both black collar press and whatever it is that you have for us coming in the future. That is true. We, we will be avoiding some of those things. So Jennifer, one of the things that uh, we've noticed aside from your black light books in the past few years is that you've segued into writing some really, really dark stuff. And I think that the books with Yolanda is what, uh, what we're referencing here. Um, what draws you exactly to those stories? Well, um, I mean, going all the way back to the beginning when I was breastfeeding my newborn infant, my innocent, lovely child, I, I wrote Talia, <laughs> <laughs> which, um, if you've read it, you know, opens up with a pretty severe assaults and then human trafficking, which are just lighthearted concepts, <laughs> but, um, that, you know, is my brain, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, I don't know. Um, but even before I wrote Talia, I had written the first book of my Daughters of Altera series, um, Faye, which I now have under my Cassandra Faye pen name. And that was also dark and twisted and fucked up. And that is just my happy place in my brain. It's very easy for me to write those stories. I am a sucker for dragging my characters through hell to get them to the light and the happily ever after. Um, you Shane always love my strong female characters. Um, cause I like badass bitches that I just put through hell. I'm sorry. I do. And I, you know what? I'm not the only one out there. Okay. I know that for a fact, I've seen your reviews of your books. I've seen people talking about them online. So you 
definitely have tapped into a main vein that is not just for me, but for a lot of other readers out there. And I'm very lucky that it turned into a career and not a prison sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, that is a good thing, right? Uh, Otherwise, you know, you could have like the FBI tracking you and trying to connect you to all sorts of heinous crimes out there. But fortunately, you're just able to write your books and then give them to us to enjoy. Leveraging my CIA experience also benefited that. Yes, very much. So that's what I was alluding to at the very beginning of the uh, interview here is that that you were able to tap into that. And it shows, believe me, it definitely shows. Why, thank you. So, Livia, what about you? We know the kinds of stories you write. You've described them here. You've said that you're very much, you know, you write a lot of BDSM and certainly, you know, infamous love, complicated love, and then segueing into all of the blacklight stuff it is heavily BDSM uh, related. Don't forget the punishment pit. And the punishment pit. That's right. Lucas and Marcus and, and everyone there mm-hmm. uh, in the punishment pit. Are you planning on continuing just in that or do you th- see yourself segueing into something else uh, in the future? Um. I will continue both of those series, I think, in for a while. Um, and we do have one idea for another BDSM series that I don't know if it'll get off the ground in 21 or not. But so, yes, I will continue um, to write BDSM romance. But I have also started a second pen name because I have a lot of... Um, my brain is is uh, rattling around a lot of sci-fi, uh, omegaverse, and um, dirty, 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 dirty sci-fi, sci-fi um, with power exchange. But uh, it's it's not really the it's not BDSM. And so I am a lot of my twenty one schedule is going to be um, at least a part. I'm dedicating a lot of 21, 2021 to. Um, getting some of those series going. Um, so I will be diverging there. Um, and then I also am going to be writing a spinoff of Blacklight. Wait, wait, wait. What is your sci-fi pen name, Livia? It's Livia Bourne. Uh, like as in Jason Bourne, only it's Livia Bourne. He's my, you know, secret husband. He's my secret husband. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, hey, you know, you asked about CIA. Uh, yeah, I- I'm, I'm, I'm starting to see all sorts of connections that yes, I missed. Yes, well, yes. and the spinoff for Blacklight is Black Sky Ops, which, what? Why are you doing that? And and the main character is is an alum from CIA. So uh, so we got okay. Black Sky Ops going, too. Um, someday. We're someday. not promising it. Yes, she's, yes, that's true. That is true. It stresses me. She's she's doing me a favor. Every time I start to sit down to work on Black Sky Ops, I like get the hives. So there's something about that series oh. that's kind of stressing me out. And so I'm setting it aside for a little while. It's but. because she, Livia Grant reminds me a lot of Myra Danvers because you referenced that meme from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's crazy and he's got the murder wall with all the red yeah. lines. The lines and stuff. Myra Danvers and Livia Grant both have whiteboards in their workspaces that they cover with world building chaos. And when either of them get involved in building a new world, it 
turns into an obsession. It does. Ah. And, and I know, and this is why I'm trying to protect her from herself. She has other goals in mind that do not require her to crawl into her insane person hole <laughs> and create an entire another universe. Right. Now. Okay. Yeah. We can wait before you dive into that hole again. That is right. Right. Plus but, those books are going to just take so much. Um, and Shane, you and I have had this conversation before. I have some books that like I write long, I write over a hundred thousand words for most of my my black light novels have been over a hundred thousand. And those are, those take a lot longer to write and they take a lot out of me. And right now I don't have a lot. I just don't. Yeah. It's, I, I need to, I need to um, write dirty, dirty (laughs) sci-fi, which is, is what, why you're focusing in 2021 on Livia Bourne, as opposed to, uh, more of what you were doing as living. And I think some of it comes back to the very original questions that you were asking me about my corporate America career. And now that I am full-time and I do rely on my author income more, um, you know, there's a lot, and I I don't know how many readers are listening and how many authors are listening, but you have to make a lot of decisions on what your, what books you're going to write. Um, is, is really how you're going to make money at it. And uh, it is my career now and it is my primary career and the primary breadwinner for my family. So right. um, I cannot spend all of 2021 writing, you know, two long novels. I, I need to produce more books. So, um, so it's all kind of coming together for that. Yeah. yeah sometimes you, you don't get to write something you really, really yes. want to because no one buys it. That's why there's no more Daughters of Altera coming in and the I future. Love that <laughs> it will happen one day when I'm independently wealthy. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it's going to happen when Livia and I complete the plan we have to kidnap you, you know, and put you in a cage. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. I am. Oh, she loves that. I am okay, listening. Okay, we need to rethink this. Okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll certainly. No, this is a great plan. I, I really, really don't want you to do that with the the kidnapping uh, and the cage and, and the what now? And the, and the torture and yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds, that sounds terrible. Oh, yeah. I Momoa, no, we don't need his help anymore. What the fuck? <laughs> I swear if this doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to circle back to that when we come up with a more comprehensive plan that actually gets you to do what we want you to do as opposed to just getting you off or whatever. Hey, I, I always write better after, you know, a good dozen orgasms from Jason Moa. Okay. okay. Well, we'll, 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 we'll keep that in mind. We'll keep that in mind. Listen. What do you think is going on in the publishing world right now, especially with the indie, indie publishing world, with regards to the content being allowed on platforms, content being taken down, rejected, authors having to do a lot of you know, jiggery-pokery in order to keep their content available to readers? Have either of you experienced that? Is that a concern of yours? And, and I ask that in terms of not just your own personal writing, um, but with black collar press, we're speechless. <laughs> that was a, a left turn. Um, I, 
I have to say, you know, we are careful with the titles we allow on Blacklight Books. We work hard to choose pictures that aren't going to cause conflicts in either advertising or on Amazon's, you know, robots that scan cover images. Um, our goal is to is to always keep our full length books out of the erotica dungeon on Amazon because um, the erotica dungeon prevents things from showing up in search. Okay, which is obviously death to a book, and um, you know, so we go for those things. But one of the first things that Lydia and I agreed on when we decided to really go for black collar press is that we we wanted to be edgy. We wanted to push the boundaries. We didn't want sappy, sweet romance. We wanted it to have edge and grit. And that means that every book is a gamble. It's a risk. Yeah. So I have in my book one, um, I've gotten some many one-star reviews because I have the hero basically raping the heroine in, you know, chapter two or three. And I have to spend the whole book um, kind of redeeming him. And that was very risky. Um, I think looking back, I probably wouldn't have put that into book one. I would have put that in book two because <laughs> book one, um, you know, that turned off. I think we lost a few readers that way, but I, I don't, that's what happened in the story. So I don't, I'm not going to play it safe. And yeah. the same with, scandalized. I think, you know, I took a lot of chances and scandalized. I took some chances and rescued. Um, and we want authors that are willing to do that. We don't, uh, we don't want um, books. And, you know, and I think if anybody who's read even half of the black light books, know every we push author, the boundaries. we push the boundaries, you know, Marin's books are so good. Wow. She, man, they just rip your heart out. The menagerie. And, yep. uh, you know, just, just all of them. And, and we also like to push the boundary. We've had interracial couples, which isn't done very often. We've had, um, you know, we were constantly looking for new kinks and new, um, new things to introduce to the, to the readers. It's, it's not um, the same, same book over and over. Okay. Um, and that's that's one of our goals, right? We that's one of the things our readers start to expect from us. But in achieving that and doing that, which you obviously have done, you've not experienced anything where you've had a book uh through no fault of your own or through uh making a mistake get pushed into the erotica dungeon or um or had it flagged and pulled. I, we we see these kinds of things come up online a lot where an author will say, oh, my book got pushed into the dungeon and I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I don't know what I did wrong. Or uh, the There are ways around that. Um, I've had it happen not with a blacklight book, but with personal books. And usually it's um, words in the blurb, um, words used as keywords. Right. Or something on the cover that is flagging the bots on Amazon. And so just if anyone's listening and this happens to you, go in, take out all the sexy words from your keywords, take out all the sexy words from your blurb. Um, if your cover is too sexually revealing or, you know, suggestive, change it. And then all you do is you um, call author central support. 
because KDP support is hard to get a hold of. And you ask Author Central, hey, my book's in erotica and I don't understand why it's supposed to be in blah, blah, blah. And they'll go and they'll look at your book page. And now that all of the dirty things are gone, they're like, wow, I don't know why this happened. And they move your book back. Okay. So (laughs) what was that? It's magic. It's magic. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people I'm sure that in in the midst of the frustration of of having that happen to them would like for there to be some magic and it it's good information so thank you very much um we're lucky we have not had that happen knock on wood um so but yeah. we are we we are also proactive and careful about it yeah that's that's kind of what i'm taking away from this is that you guys are in fact being very proactive and very careful about the image that you're putting out there for these particular books. Um, because it, I mean, it would, I would think have a potential negative impact on, uh, the totality of the series or the, the press itself. If, if that were to happen. It does ding your KDP account and, you know, Amazon pays attention to those things. So you definitely don't want to trip the sensors if you can avoid it. Right. And I do feel, you know, we both feel a responsibility to the authors, you know, because while we're not a big publishing house, we, we are their publisher uh, for these books. And so we take it very seriously. We don't want to screw anything up that'll, you know, get their books impacted as well. Right. Right. So another thing I want to touch on is these are some of the things that we've talked about, uh, uh, Eris and I, in our past episodes. Um, And we've already we've already talked a little bit about some of them, but I want to go over some of the other ones. Why romance? Uh, You've talked about what you did in the past as writers, how you got into publishing. But why romance? What? in particular, attracted both of you to writing in the romance genre as opposed to, say, mystery, science fiction, um, uh, westerns, or whatever? I can, I mean, that was what I liked to read. I mean, I've also read lots and lots of fantasy novels, but I never had fantasy novel ideas that didn't involve sex because sex is always on my brain. My brain exists in the gutter. (laughs) And, and so, you know, when I was spending all of my free time slash nighttime reading literatica, those are the stories that my brain created and, you know, other elements of what I enjoyed reading pull in, you know, I've got Daughters of Altera, which has, you know, history and um, magic and fantasy components. And I've got the action in a lot of my books with crime, mafia, assassins. But the core story is romance and BDSM because both Livia and I um, are experienced and live the BDSM lifestyle. And so I think you, as an author, become kind of the sum of everything that you have fed your own brain. Sure. Sure. And, and that makes perfect sense. And, and what about you, Olivia? yeah, yeah, the same. I mean, for me, uh, it's, it's really two things. My mother literally read a romance novel a day, um, almost the entire time from the time I was a kid, she read Regency romances and Harlequins. And as soon as literally I 
I can remember I started reading those Harlequins and a lot of historicals as a kid. Um, and then as a teenager started, she would buy me, you know, Joanna Lindsay and uh, Kathleen Woody Weiss and, you know, some of the bigger, what we called at the time, racy romance authors. Mm-hmm. And so through my teens in college, I was, I devoured romance um, on a regular basis. I don't think I was, I didn't read as much as some of our readers. Like we have readers now that are like my mom that would read, you know, read one of our books in a day. Um, But I was reading a lot of romance and then I got married and had, you know, my son and I was busy and I, I kind of, you know, stopped reading for a while. And that's kind of, again, back to, uh, I was reading some books, but 50 shades of gray is what really reminded me of what a voracious uh, readership there is for romance. And so not only did I love it, but um, if you look at any industry numbers, um, romance is just a, a huge chunk of the publishing world. Almost everything else um, pales in, pales in yeah. comparison. And, you know, that there, you know, I think there's people who read you know mystery or suspense, they may read a book a month. Um, but there is just this voracious need for romance, and um, there's an there's somebody out there that love that will love everything. The hard part is finding those readers that are interested in reading the tropes or the you know the heat level that you're writing or the stories that you're writing is is finding them. But the good news is is there's just there are romance readers out there always ready for more stories, and so. Um, it's a combination of what I love to read and just knowing that I have readers out there that are going to want what I'm writing. Right, exactly. And I, it's funny because I noticed that both of you said essentially the same thing, um, that you recognize that romance is a huge part of the current publishing landscape, but that you didn't go into this to write to make money necessarily in that huge landscape. You did it because you like and you love writing these kinds of stories. And we've, we've all heard horror stories and, and things about, you know, copy pasta Chris and people that are just in it for the money. But my takeaway here is, is that's not the case for either one of you. You're doing this because you love writing these kinds of stories. I mean, we both started writing for free. And and giving our work away on a website just because we wrote because we needed to get the stories out. Right. And, 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 And that, to me, as a reader, is actually kind of cool because I want the authors or I'd like to believe the authors that I love that I'm reading really enjoy the same thing, that they're not just doing this to make a buck, so to speak. Um, and hearing the both of you say that, you know, kind of reinforces that feeling. And, and it, it's a good feeling. It's like, oh, cool. So you like this stuff, too. You're not just doing this to placate me or to, you know, get me off or make me feel tingly in the PP. You're doing it because you have the same basic idea. And, 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 and it's something that you love, too. And that's, you know, you like I said, you hear horror stories about people that are only in it for a buck. And I'm sure. That at some point, at some level, that shows in that kind of writing. And I know as a reader, I certainly don't see that with either one of you. Well, thank you. Okay, so we did touch on this a little bit, but let's go ahead and, and, and talk about it just a tiny bit more. 
Plotter, planter, or pantser? Livia? It's a continuum. It's a line. And I am much farther towards the plotter end of the line. Um, but I... Uh, I I know there are plotters that do way more than I do. I do not, you know, like do the beats. There there are things called, you know, romance beats where you, you know, plot out almost like you need to be at this beat at 2,000 words and this beat at 5,000 words. I am not like that. Um, I write the story. Um, The story determines kind of, that, um, but I, I do plot out the beginning, middle, and end, um, and I usually know ahead of time how many chapters I, it's going to take me and kind of what I hope to accomplish in each chapter before I ever start. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely more towards the plotter end, but I change things all the time. I get there and it's, I had planned to do A and I get there and that just doesn't feel right. And my characters tell me I need to verge and I'll, I'll make changes. I'm not that stuck in my ways. Um, Jennifer, on the other hand, is at the other end of that continuum. Well, before we get there, though, Jennifer, I'd like a rebuttal because you mentioned uh, Myra Danvers earlier and the wall uh, with the plotting lines and stuff like that. So uh, true or false what uh, Olivia just said? It's true that she does not follow story beats and she's not she's not writing down everything that she's going to write. You know, she's got like key concepts for each chapter. But the thing is, is what Livia left out is that she doesn't even start plotting the story until she knows the town they're in and the school they went to uh-huh. in the first grade <laughs> and when they all lost their right. first tooth and their first date and like all this stuff that she admits to me as I rake her over the coals for this shit that will never show up in the book, but it matters to her brain as an author and it's her process. Yes, right. that is true. Right. Her rocked. The two people in Rocked are they were they were childhood friends turned childhood, you know, sweethearts. And I wrote like fifteen thousand words that not one person's ever read. You need to um, give it away for free to your mailing I list. I should, <laughs> yeah, of them as children of uh, the day they met and how what made them friends because they were from different sides of the track. You know, she was the mayor's daughter and he was the bad kid from the wrong side of the tracks. So, like how, how in the world could they possibly be friends? And I wrote all of that before I ever wrote one word of rocked and no one else ever read that, but it's what my brain needed to do. That to is get. so interesting because I've never myself personally ever had that happen. It almost sounds like you were like writing a chapter of a story that then had to be taken out. Um, and I mean, I can't really empathize with that because as I said, that's never happened to me personally, but it's, this guy right here. it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Shut up, you. Shane, Shane. <laughs> I mean, I could go back to shutting up. That was going on for a while <laughs> over here due to technical difficulties. <laughs> Shane, no one believes you, by the way. Ab- absolutely no. It's, it's perfect. It's the truth. It's perfectly true. I've, it's never happened to me. So all I'm saying is, is that I find it interesting. Okay. Moving on, Jennifer, what about you? I, and I know the answer to this question. I've lived through well, it. What, what is your opinion? 
Of you or of <laughs> Of me. You are a pantser. I can say that with full conviction. I absolutely am. Um, I think as I've, when I first started, I mean, I, I literally never even knew how my books were going to finish. And that blows my mind. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) And that sometimes happens still. Like what comes into my head is just this opening scene. And, And I always describe writing, like I'm just watching a movie in my head and I'm just writing down what's happening. You know, the characters are independent humans living in my brain and I'm just watching stuff happen. Um, but like when I wrote the first book of Talia, I had no idea if the guard was going to turn out to be a good guy or a bad guy. I didn't know until like the day I wrote that, the chapter that decided and that blows people's mind. But as I have grown and developed and, and ended up in situations like the fragile tie series where I had story threads that I knew I needed to tie up. What I will do is make, you've seen that cause we've co-written together, Shane, like I'll make a bulleted list of scenes that pop into my head or things that I want to happen. And then it's just, they fall into place, uh, which yes. I don't know how to describe that. It just is how my brain works. Yeah. To me, because the entire uh, point or the starting point of Jasmine was literally that it was just this scene. And then we built on it from there. That process of you and I writing together for that particular book was the most organic thing I think I've ever done. Um, It was literally because you right as a pantser, you had nothing like you handed to me. You handed to me that first chapter and you said, so what do you think about this story? And tell me where it's, um, it originates or where it, where it's set. And then it just, no, kind of, I didn't even ask you. You just said what you pictured. No, and no, it happened I'm, to be correct. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it, I, you asked me and, um, I, I'm, I'm almost positive. That's the way it happened. Oh God. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's the <laughs> no, but it, it was it was it, it was an extremely organic experience, and I honestly, from a strictly from a creative standpoint, was so wrapped up into it because I did not know where the story was going, um, and seeing how you would when you would finish your scene. Or, or an entire chapter and go, oh, okay. And then I would take off. And I do remember this as if it happened yesterday. When I introduced Mason to Jasmine, you messaged me after you read it. You said, who the fuck is this? And I was like, I can't tell you. He just, I finished reading what you wrote and he just was there and he started talking to me. And, and, and that to me was uh speaking strictly as a writer was just an incredible experience. It was, it was not the way I normally write. I'm not really a plotter. Um, I consider myself a planter. I have kind of an idea and I may not know where the story is going to end. Um, but I sort of know how I'm going to get to a certain point and then it, it will end that writing Jasmine with you as a pantser was just a mind trip. <laughs> and it wasn't, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. It was, just it was exciting and it was very organic and 
it is not something that I would not suggest every person try at some point if you can find a true pantser to latch on to. Because it'll take you for a wild fucking ride. I guarantee it. You know, latch onto their pants. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh God! You know, I was hoping throughout this entire thing we could avoid puns, and yet that, okay. First of all, that was are. not a pun. It was not even close to a pun. Um, that was wordplay. Word There's play. a very narrow definition of what a pun is. And people just think all wordplay is puns, and that is not true. Okay, thank um, you. <laughs> pedantic, Eric. So. Jennifer, for you, as a pantser, you've you've talked about uh, uh, for you, it's also like listening to the movie in your head and you don't really have control of it. Is that a fair analogy? Is that a fair description? It's just like you have to follow where the voices go. Yeah, it is. And it's it's not just listening. I mean, I see it all in my head like I, I see it all play out like a movie and sometimes my characters surprise me. And it's one of my favorite things about writing. I, I love when my characters throw me for a loop. And it's fun for me. I, it's one of the reasons why I don't understand plotters. Because I've had to write to a plot before because of a situation. And I was so bored. Like, I was bored. Because I was like, I know everything that's going to happen. And Instead of having living, breathing characters in my head, I had like paper dolls that I was, you know, walking around and having hump each other. It, it was, it was. And see, what y'all do as pantsers looks like mystical crystal ball magic to me. Like, I don't understand what's going on. It sounds like voodoo. I, I don't know how any you guys are like it. It's just completely like two different OSs all together because you're like, you were bored. And so obviously you're not using that process because nobody's going to do this if it's fucking boring. Whereas like me, if I don't have a plot, what I have is anxiety. Yes. Because I'm like, where is yes. this going? I'm like, I can't, I can't just start writing shit if I don't know how the hell am I, where, where, for me, I'm not saying this is for everyone. Like for me, I'm just like, if I don't know where this is going, like it ain't going anywhere. Like I, I have love, answers. I so love, it's like, I have complete anxiety if I don't have a plot. It's, it's not good. I love the description of two operating systems because that's exactly what it is. It, is. it, it totally is. It really is. It's so funny. And I, I agree that it's mysticism. I do. Like, see, I would, I would always with be, if I was a pantser, like, do you ever like, it's, it'll never happen again. Like to me, it's magic. So then it's almost like, what if, what if the movie doesn't play now that, 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 you know, that's the writer's block and yep. That's scary as shit to me. Whereas if I can sit down and think about it for a while, I mean, the plotting helps me feel like it, it's not magic. It, as well, I get writer's block even with the plotting, so I don't even yeah, know how to fix that. <laughs> but I do think that you you just hit on anyone that has followed me, anyone that reads my books knows this deeply about me. Um, I'm bipolar. And when I'm in a severe depression, my movie doesn't play. I mean, mm -hmm. nothing happens. And so... There have been multiple books that I have started and the movie turned off. And that happened with Inheritance, the second book of Fragile Ties. It took me over a year to get it out. Um, it happened with Beth Book Two because, and it's it's usually with those really intensely emotional books mm -hmm. that because I watch the movie in my head and I really feel the things with all the characters as I'm writing it, like there are times like I'm not emotionally 
functional enough to do it. And so I end up in situations where I can't write because I'm a pantser, because I have to kind of experience it as it happens in my head. You're like, I can't deal with my own shit and tap into this. Is like, is that what's going on, kind of? Nailed it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I feel that. I mean, I don't even, even not as a pantser, I feel that. It's like, sometimes there's just, I think earlier, a few episodes ago, we had a discussion about that, about like our environment affecting us. Like, there's just sometimes, yeah, there's just stuff going on that I'm like, I can't, I can't write right now. Like, when my grandmother died, I'm like, I can't, it was just a, it was a wasteland for like weeks. Cause I'm just like, I can't write a blowjob scene. And, and also in the background have relatives texting me about, you know, arrangements to deal with her estate and all this stuff like that. I'm like, I, I just cannot. And I think <laughs> that's why so many authors struggled in 2020. I, yeah. that was me. I mean, I did because my, my world was changing. I was going through, um, you know, a lot of changes, but COVID between COVID and the impacts and the ripple effects. Um, I have heard from so many authors some authors actually it helped. They it just gave them time, and their escape was to write. And so, 2020, they were very prolific. But I think more authors that I've talked to struggled a lot because there's just so much going on between COVID and social unrest and all the politics stuff, and just um, it was hard for me many days to to think about writing a romance story. Um, mm-hmm. It was really hard. And um, so there's a lot of us going through through that. So you're not alone if you're listening. <laughs> Just yeah. keep going. Just Better and nothing lasts forever, which is good to remember about the bad stuff at right. that time, is that it's not going to be like that forever. Exactly. I'm curious, though, at, at, at what was it like, Jennifer, to be with you when you wrote a character like Anthony? That, to me, would be, like, fascinating. The Here. Jennifer Binet experience <laughs> during writing a character like Anthony. Here's the thing. And you know this, Shane. All, men like Anthony run around circles in my brain 24-7. My challenge is that I cannot just repeatedly write <laughs> Complete sociopaths. <laughs> I'm sorry. They have to I'm be not. As a reader, taking off my writer hat for a moment, I would have to ask you, uh, why not? Because, I'm sorry, Anthony, without Marcus to balance him in that book, it wouldn't oh. have been a good book. I mean, Beth was good because it was born out of the legacy Talia left behind. All right. You, you and I have talked about this and you're absolutely right. You need that. You need that balance that uh, I don't want to say lightness and darkness because neither one of those characters. I was going to say, you know, it's bad when Marcus is the good guy. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) This is the terrible thing. He could have been the good guy. I stand by that. (laughs) This was the thing. This is, this was the thing is that was one of the incredible parts of that entire series is that for a while, and this is something you should take great pride in you actually sort of felt bad for Marcus mm-hmm. when you juxtapose Marcus against Anthony. And then when Marcus starts to crumble because of what Anthony's doing to him and what's happening to him, it's like, wow, that's really the sign of good writing when you can have a character like that and you feel sorry for him. And that's, of course, why everyone loves that story. That's why 
you know, it's just the incredible story it is. It's because that's the juxtaposition. And it's fucking great to read. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, but yeah, I mean, I have fucked up terrible, terrible, terrible ideas in my head all the time. It's her, right? It's her um, wheelhouse. It's, well, yeah, but I see what's on your Netflix thing, honey. (laughs) 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 Going in that brain. And, you know, when you watch movies, you know, it's, it's, it's no, Thank God she hasn't seen my Pornhub search history. I'm just going to say. <laughs> she totally has. Oh, yeah. 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 So, okay. What about, and this is directed at both of you, but Jennifer, you mentioned this actually. The voices in your head. How does that affect, do you think, your writing style? Or does it have any effect? Um, I'm going to let Livia take this because she and I have had this conversation numerous times. Our dialogue in our books comes out so authentic. And it's one of the things that drew me to Olivia's writing the very first time I saw her on Literotica. I mean, it was just, I could, they felt like people. They felt like fully realized three-dimensional people that were having real conversations. You know, you've picked up books before where they're like, hi, my name is John Smith and I own a gardening business and I enjoy sailing on the weekends. And what do you like to do, Susan Thomas? <laughs> Hang on, tell me exactly how many inches and in cup size can we please, can someone please look in a mirror and describe themselves? Because that's yes. what's happening right now. Yeah. And you get these really stiff, awkward as fuck introductions to characters because that person's not hearing voices. And so... I'm going to pass it up to Lydia to talk about the voices, but I just had to throw that out there. This <laughs> explains why my characters are so stiff. I don't <laughs> That's the erection. <laughs> hey, this is a not safe for uh, No, I, I mean, I think Jen and I do share that. Um, while I don't write only from my movie, uh, like she does as a panther, I hear the dialogue in my head. Um, my... I, I, I don't know if this is part of it, but my I had a double major in college. And I, up until recently, I didn't feel like I used either of my majors. I was a communication major. Um, and I'm in, I, I worked most of my time in hospitality and technology, which I didn't study at all. And my other major was psychology. And um, you were such a go-getter. I, yeah, but you know, like I didn't do anything with psychology, but I think that the the psychology helps me honestly as I as an author um, because I really love to get into my characters' brains and um, and I think I see them play out their lives um, and it comes out in my dialogue. I think that's I'm not great at everything about being an author, but I do think that I am pretty good at dialogue just because I can. Uh, I can hear their voices in my head. But and th- knowing that and, and understanding that about um, the is that impacting the way you write? So are you hearing those voices? Are you drawing on that experience as, you know, having that psychological background and then saying, well, I would I want to write characters like this because I know this is the way they would really sound. Or is it happening less organically than that? No, it's, it's definitely organic. Um, 
Um, I don't know how to answer that question. It's well, I was, just I was thinking someone mentioned this uh, a while back about writing and, and beats. And I know I've heard that term before, and I know there are authors, and I think it was you, Livia, you said there are authors and writers out there that structure their stories by by making sure that they hit certain beats and and whether that's tonally or in sentence structure or whatever. I'm wondering if what we're talking about is less uh, you as a writer trying to hit a beat like that and more just trying to let the natural sound of your characters come out. It's the latter. I'm okay. trying to let their natural sound come out. And I do, I do think um, while I don't sit and do romancing the beat, you know, um, chapter by chapter kind of thing, um, I, I am very aware that a good story has a beginning, middle and end. And I'm very aware as I'm plotting that I need, you know, some excitement in the beginning, you know, like the sentence, the structure of the story. And then I just let the, the characters fall into that structure somehow. I, I don't, I wish I knew how I did. Well, no, 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 no. That's, that's, that's interesting though, because that sounds much more like the organic component that we were talking about earlier with a pantser, where everything just kind of is that, well, I think Eris used um, the mystical. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, that does sound very much like that. So maybe that's the component in the way you write as a plotter that has that mystical. I think the time, I think the key difference, I, I see them, I hear them. Um, I, I hear the words they're saying, I know kind of their personality and what is authentic to them. I think the difference between Jen and I, or any plotter and a pantser is I just take the time to write it down and up, up front. So I'll spend days plotting, um, and writing a lot of that stuff down, but I'm, I'm plotting as I'm seeing it in my head and I'm taking the time to almost write it down shorthand first. And then I come back and I flesh that that outline out further. Whereas Jen doesn't stop to to take that that step. She just starts zooming right in at the beginning before she knows how it's going to end. Whereas I will stop and watch the whole movie and kind of build my the story that I know I'm wanting to write. And then then is when I really start writing. Um, but it's I think the sa- it's the same kind of thing. Our brains still build the story. I just I think the difference is that I write better as a pantser when that movie surprises me. Mm-hmm. Like if I watched it all the way to the end and then had to go back <laughs> and, and do a rerun <laughs> and do a rerun right after I watched it, like it wouldn't. I, I don't think I would capture, the, I'm speaking about me, not everyone. I don't think that I would be able to capture the same visceral reactions in my word choices, in my dialogue. Like, I think it would pull a lot of the punch out of my work, which is what reader my readers like. Mm-hmm. They like right. that it's very raw and confrontational at times. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think, yeah, that's true. I'm just thinking that I know when... Uh, Eris and I have had conversations and I'll, because I fall in that kind of middle ground, I'll say, ah, these people are talking to me and I, you know, I can't get them uh, wrangled. She'll say, well, just tell them what to do. And I think as a plotter, a lot of times, at least 
from someone who isn't a plotter is like, you can do that because I, I, I'm not sure I've ever told you to just do it. Cause like, uh, I know that we have different processes, but I'm just saying, I don't, yeah. Like for me, I'm just like, uh, no, this is the plot and this is what we're doing. That's it. Like I'm in charge. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, potato, potato, you've, you, you have, we've had that conversation where you've basically said, well, just tell them what to do. And I'm like, I don't know that I can do that. That's just, it, sometimes I can't. Other times I think it just, it does impact how I write. I'll just be like, this doesn't sound right. I, I, this isn't working. I can't do that. And then I, that's when for me as a writer, I struggle because it's like, this just does not sound right. And I know I'm going to have to go back and, and, and edit it and cut it or, or do major revisions. It, it's just the way it is for me. I, I take it though, from what I'm hearing that for you, Livia, it's not quite the same. Um, you seem to be more in tune with actually hearing that and then writing it down. Like, like you said, I, you know, in a little bit of a shorthand version and then going back and reworking it and fleshing it out. Yes. I think that's exactly what I do. And then Jennifer, for you, it sounds much more organic, like the exact opposite. Like you have to write it down right then and there, and there's no going back. If, or if you have to go back, it's going to be a mess. Yeah, I just, I, I write my books from beginning to end. Very rarely will I get like a specific scene will pop up in my head, like in the shower or in bed or something. And I'll grab my phone and, and just jot that down really quick. Um, but mostly like I, I won't go finish that scene. I'll write down what pops into my head and then I will go back to where I was in the book and then just keep writing until I get to that scene. Okay. I, I know like you just that. save a little, save a note about like, Oh, Hey, yeah, this needs to happen at this later point. Exactly. See, and I think that's where the, I like where I have mine because, because I know what's coming I'll be thinking about things and I'll just a scene in the future comes to me so clearly I will stop and write that scene. Um, and some of those scenes I can tell you in each book, like there's usually like one scene that I'll write out of order. And those are some of my favorite scenes because they just come to me like a miracle and I see it and I've gotten out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and those are your pantser powers activating. Those are yeah. your pantser power. Except that I knew that I had to write a scene similar to that. I, but it just, it's like the dialogue clicks and I'll get out of bed and I'll just, I'll just pump out, you know, 2,500 word scene um, because it's just that clear. Um, you just got to get it out because you're I like, if I just try out, to remember yeah. it later, and I, and I, some of those scenes, I can tell you, I look back at books and I can tell you which ones were like that. The only book I've ever written like completely out of order was Scandalized. I, that hmm. book, I. That's that, because Lydia that loves ensemble casts. I do. And I <laughs> write a lot of books from more than just two points of view. And that one almost killed me. Um, so I, I jumped around like crazy on that, that one. But other than that, I usually write in order. Okay. So we all know, because we're all at, in some fashion or another, working on it. But Black Collar Press has a new Black Light Anthology coming out very, very soon. We do. 
Are you guys excited about that? We are, and we've been hard at work editing, and the stories this year are smoking. Very uh, hot. Very hot. We've got some new kinks that we've never had before. Um, some new authors that we've never had before. No spoilers. No spoilers, but it's, um, um, you know, I think that's the thing that I love about roulette the most is like, if somebody would have told me we were going to do five of them, I'm like, oh my God, how can you do that? But the way the setup of the book is, it just is an infinite number of combinations that can make each book feel fresh. Uh, even though, you know, we do it every Valentine's Day. This is our fifth fifth Valentine's Day spending it at Roulette. So we've been besties for five years. We have. Oh. You know what's an exciting thing is actually by the time this podcast comes out, um, I'm pretty sure the Blacklight uh, Roulette, Roulette rematch will be out already. It it should be. I would think that uh, it, it has already come out so where so where can people get this anthology now that it is out in the it future available it is now. Amazon, <laughs> uh worldwide amazon uh it is in ku almost KU. the whole series we're we're slowly taking the first few books out and um uh going wide uh with to the, reach more readers to try to get more readers for the series but the the bulk are in ku so it's amazon ku awesome and is there anything about this particular roulette that, um, not to, as you guys said, no spoilers or anything, that sets it apart from uh, previous ones uh, that you're more, uh, not more excited about, but that you're particularly excited about this time? You're in it, Shane. Yes. No, that's no. <laughs> Were you fishing? <laughs> no. No, I'm, I'm, you just said it though. Everyone has been different. And I'm, and I'm sure there has been for every, each of the five ones that precede this one, there's been something about each one that you said to yourself afterwards, man, that was, that was perfect. Or that was so good. Um, You guys have written in each and every one of them, right? That's true. Yeah. True facts. And so let me ask the question this way. Is there anything about this one? Um, in terms of what you are each writing that you're like, oh, I'm just so excited about this particular story. Jennifer's story this year is smoking. I absolutely, I think this might be the longest. Well, not, no, I was going to say, I I love Silas. Don't get me wrong. I think this is my favorite Jennifer roulette. Well, don't spoil anything. Does it have girth as well as length? That's important. (laughs) It is. You know it. Yes. You know how I like to deliver it, Eris. Meaty. Okay. And like I'm out. We we uh, definitely love having a couple stories each roulette that will help feed the full length novels, and we will have two such books this year. So that's a little secret. There's a teaser. A little teaser. One of them is from. Somebody on maybe this podcast? I don't know. Mm. Mm, who would that mm. be? Yeah. So Jennifer's got a new Blacklight book coming <laughs> Awesome. There you go. There you go, folks. Yeah. Actually, uh, she does, but that's not beside the point. 
Okay. All right. So now we're going to open this up to you. Is there anything that you two want to talk about or ask us? What is the meaning of life? Uh, 42. Yeah, there you go. Moving on. That was a a short question. Yeah. Next question. Accomplished. Do you have any other releases recently? Either of you want to pimp? Um, Yolanda Olson and I released the entire Anathema trilogy in December. It was rapid release. So all three books are out now. It's, um, if you took like a dark comedy and put serial killers in it, you would, you would get the Anathema trilogy. I cannot get any more erect. <laughs> I am so proud. Remember, <laughs> if it lasts for four hours, see a doctor. Um, and then Willow Winters invited Livia and I to be in the I Have Lived and I Have Loved box set, which is a charity box set. It supports the um, audio readers that Willow is providing to nursing homes and individuals with disabilities that struggle to read books on you know, a Kindle or hold on to a Kindle due to arthritis or, you know, other disabilities or, you know, failing eyesight. And it allows them to get either an audio reader that has the classics like Shakespeare and other things like that, or dirty, dirty romance books of which Livia and I both put books, audio books on that one. And I, it is. And I have read both stories and that is an excellent book and and it, it serves a worthy cause. It is the sweetest thing I've written yes, in years. It is a little Jennifer. Uh it was it was a sweet little story. It's very it, hallmark. Yes. Yeah, but it was still incredibly good. Okay. Don't put yourself down. No, it was a great story. Yes. She, she didn't say she was putting herself down. She's just, you know, it was, saying it was different. It was a little off brand in that respect. Okay. All right. Sweeter than normal, but um, it was R-rated, R-rated, Hallmark. Oh, yeah, it's dirty. (laughs) It better be. No, it is very, very good. And what about you, Livia? Well, you know, my big thing, um, the last half of 2020 was re-releasing the Punishment series, which is what brought Jennifer and I together. And Lucas is mine, for the record. Yes, she's put dibs on him. She's licked him. Um, So I, I... I republished The Punishment Pit, and that is a series that I wish I could find more readers for, because I really do think... um, It's amazing. I I do think a lot of um, BDSM readers would enjoy it, uh, just romance readers in general. Uh, But again, because I take chances and I I love to push the edge, um, I I have a lot of things in that uh, series that... um, Every, not everybody is willing to take a chance on. And um, she released a book called Celebrating, Celebrating It All, which might have a little bit of a crossover. With Blacklight. Uh-oh. Oh. True. What, what is the oh. new series title? Because it has a new series name, right? Yeah. I, instead of the Passion series, it's called the Punishment Pit series. Oh, it's, it's literally the Punishment Pit. It okay, good. Punishment I, wanted, I wanted to make sure people could go find it and know yeah. Thank you very much. Yep. So I have the original books put out and then I I also had a standalone expecting it all, um, which uh, when we were talking about plotting and pantsing, um, I had this scene that was so clear in my head 
of three doms and a baby. And uh, I just, I had to write that book. And that is the whole book of Expecting It All was written around that that three doms and a baby scene. Which is hilarious. It is. It was a hilarious scene. Um, you cannot dom a baby. No, you cannot. They, uh, they uh, do not cooperate. Um, and then I do have, you know, because I'm a plotter, I have probably four books, uh, two that are really well plotted out uh, that I would love to add to that series um, and two others that I could write. Um, but again, um, I need to find some more readers for that series before I go crazy writing a million other books for that series. So, um, so yeah, I'll have at least one more book coming out in that series in 2021. Excellent. Cause I love that series. I'm, um, I just finished, uh, the last one with the exception of what you were just talking about the other night. Um, and I honestly really, really enjoyed that series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to more in it. So I think unless you guys have anything else you'd like to discuss, um, we have pretty much covered everything we wanted to cover in our uh, interview with you tonight. This was fun. Yes, well, it was. Well, thank you. Thank you well, both so much for uh, for joining us. We really think it was fantastic talking we're to honored, you. We're honored that you invited us as your first official guest. So thank you. Thank you. Everyone follow the Not Safe for Work podcast. <laughs> yes. I, trust me, I will be pimping it shortly <laughs> to the people who are already listening to it. <laughs> So, uh, Olivia, where can people find you uh, if they want to follow you, read your books, all, all, the, all the good stuff? Where can people well, stalk you? Well, thank you. Um, so lots of places. Um, you can find us both at Black Collar Press. Um, we do have a blackcollarpress.com website. Uh, and then I have my website, liviagrant.com. Um, but I'm also on all the normal social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm Livia Grant uh, at uh, Livia Grant author. Um, and right now, almost all of my books are available on Amazon and are in Kindle Unlimited. But one of my goals will be soon to be taking some of them wide. So if you're interested in KU, get reading because <laughs> uh, the punishment pits moving move wide soon. Limited time, people. Get yeah. in there. And Jennifer, what about you? Where can you be found? Well, my website is jenniferbenet.com. Uh, you can find me on social media at jbenetauthor. And all of my books are on Amazon, and many of them are also available at other book retailers. All right. And now, now I shall pimp our podcast in general. You can find the Not Safe for Work Romance podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And you can follow us on Facebook and also Twitter at RomanceNSFW. That's RomanceNSFW, all one word. Uh, I am on Facebook where you can follow my fan page or join my private group, Eris Adderley's Home for Wayward Troublemakers. I'm on Twitter at Eris Adderley, and you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok. And all of my dirty books are on Amazon, most of them in Kindle Unlimited. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Shane Sterrett, or you can find my group, The House of Sterrett, on Facebook. All of my books can also be found on Amazon, available for Kindle, in Kindle Unlimited, and also in paperback. Guys, again, thank you both so much for joining us. Um, this is our first time that we've ever interviewed anyone, and there were a little tech, few technical difficulties, but you guys stayed with us, and we really appreciate that. So, thank we you. We love you guys. You can't get rid of us. <laughs>
<laughs> Nobody's trying to get rid of anybody. <laughs> but thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having you. us.